And we're back. Welcome to Print Your Games, the podcast all about 3D printing for the resin fiends and filament addicts. I'm one of your hosts, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param, and I'm joined by... Kristen Sowards, also known as Lost Fears. And today we are joining you for our first episode of the new year. Happy 2022, Christian. Happy New Year, Param. Yes. Have you already got many resolutions done? Um, kind of avoiding them. My, my resolution is to, to be organic and let things happen this year, probably. So oh, that's, that's a good resolution to, to, to flow like water. That's the idea. I have one resolution. Let's hear it. I want to paint more minis than I did last year. Oh, I'm terrible at keeping track. You know, you, uh, you threw out some numbers the other day and I was like, I don't know. I, did I print that many? I don't know. So I, I think you definitely painted more than it. You finished painting more things than I did. I uh, had to go count. Like I had to literally like <laughs> go through my Facebook feed. So and, and find like the earliest pictures I posted and like, okay, so that's the ones that's posted in January. And then from there on, I counted all the minis that I have, uh, that I've painted this year. And I did want to do like, you know, it's a little bit of a humble brag on that one is, uh, I painted 211 miniatures exactly specifically Dang, uh, that's, that's uh, this year in 2021, which is slightly less than I painted in 2020. Uh, oh, it is. Went nuts. Yeah. But in 2020, I was trying to like, I just got the printer in March and mm -hmm. I was just like pounding out miniatures and just trying to get everything painted. Everything was a speed paint, lots and lots of, of, of plastic and resin flying across my paint mm -hmm. table. And, you know, speed, speed, speed was king. Um, and before, you know, and before the last couple of years, all I really cared about was being a speed painter. Just get everything tabletop ready. As long as it looks better than the WizKids paint job, I know I'm good. And I can get the eyeball on the side of the head and still be better than the WizKids paint job. Nice. Yeah, I think I'm you're I'm in that year right now, I think. Your stuff already looks kind of nice. It, like I like some of the gradients you're pulling off. I mean, you're not you're Dana howling the crap out of these and I love it. I, I will definitely uh, say that that is an inspiration for sure. I, I love Dana's stuff. So we already have a couple of people in chat. Hello, Alex and Stephen. If you have any questions for us, just ask them in the live chats in the various places that this video is appearing, or you're hearing this in the podcast. If there's somehow a magical audio only chat that we don't know about, uh, go ahead and ask, and we will answer those questions uh, throughout the podcasts. But yeah, so I, I did it. I counted them all up, and like, yeah, 211 miniatures painted and. This is the year I really focused on getting better at painting, not just getting stuff painted. I wanted to learn how to make my stuff look as good as I possibly could. And I, uh, and yes, I, Stephen, super excited for that. Sorry. Yeah. Stephen in chat says army painter speed paint should be coming, uh, should be up. Let me re, re I can't read army painter speed paint should be, should, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> army paint speed paint, which is the worst name, the worst name. <laughs> Army well, Painter Speed Paint should speed up your painting once it's released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm super excited. Again, Dana got to preview like the big set recently, mm -hmm. and I was just like, oh, I want. I, know. I really like it because I do have the full contrast collection uh, mm -hmm. because I love contrast style painting. Mm -hmm. um, and I make my own uh, contrast style paints using the Goopertown recipes. Yes. And then I've since tweaked that to my personal preference. And one of the things I do agree with is that that paint is, while good, the, 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 uh, the Citadel uh, contrast paints are very good and I use them frequently. Um, I do have my favorites. They do vary uh strongly in uh viscosity the the yes the, and use one and, of my college words 
and they can be very tacky for mm -hmm. a long time. Like if you don't seal them, they can stick to you. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You've got to seal this stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and so like some of them, and what we mean is by viscosity is some of the paint is much thicker in the pot than the others. And, and so when you're actually painting with it, it feels very different and not very predictable. And some of them are much more translucent than others. And I would say some of them uh, like um, uh, Gilliam and Flesh is just barely more than a wash, like uh, an Agrax Earthshade wash or something right. like that, or Army Painter Strong Tone. Uh, while as some of them, uh, like uh, Leviathan Blue, which is a really, really dark Prussian blue, is that's a thick, that's a very thick thing, and it. And it doesn't do quite the contrast work that the others do. Like some of these, it's like you can look at those and it's pitch black and you look at the highlights and it blinds you like looking at fresh snow in December. Um, and uh, but some of them are just like, we got black and almost black in the highlights. Right. I also notice they separate at different rates too. Like, you know, because I am not up to my 200. Although, you know, I probably got close close to maybe 100. I don't know, maybe a little bit less. But um, anything more that than they, some, of them, some of them separate out very, very quickly. Uh, I, the white one. Um, oh, yeah. Apothecary white. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Which I... I'm still having trouble. Like, uh, like uh, until today, I had, had trouble mixing it back together very well. And I've never really got great results with it. So the key is to put mixing balls in them. I have I have a, a new possible strategy that I'll talk about later. Today. Ooh, I like strategies. Yes. Um, but why I bring the viscosity up is the new Army Painter Speed Paint line appears to be much intentionally consistent yes. in viscosity and performance across the line. And from what I've seen of those tests uh, from uh, from Dana and others, and uh, that I've seen paint using them. It looks to be much closer to the goob recipe version of consistency uh, when I'm seeing what I see about how they pull, how they handle. I have yeah. not yet got to touch um, this paint uh, of the free merch gear that companies have sent me. Army Painter is not one of them. So nope. if you happen to be listening, Army Painter, we'd love <laughs> right? to preview them on some 3D painted minis. Yes, please. Send them to both of us, please. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I'll probably I'm, lose my patience and buy them the second they're out. So. I and in the price tags that we're seeing uh, of the base set, and then and then um, extrapolating out to the price per bottle uh, from that, it's going to save me a lot of money because mm -hmm. uh, that contrast paint. I love that contrast paint. It's eight dollars a bottle to get that full set. It it made me cry. It made me cry real bad. You know why it makes me cry? What makes you, know, you cry? Because I knock it over. Oh you know? no! Have you printed yeah. it yet? We've we we've demanded that you print the "Don't spill it" thing. No, I was gonna no. get it on my FDM printer when I got it. Oh yeah. But anyway. Oh. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's just say that that didn't go well, did it? It did not go well. And you know, I, I am finally humbled enough to think that it was entirely my fault. So I pounded for a day and a half. I pounded my head against it and just mm -hmm. thought, you know. And it was also a little disheartening because the community support was great, but mm -hmm. everybody was like, you're going to be replacing that part anyway. You're going to be replacing this part anyway. And I'm like, like, wait, mm -hmm. the printer I'm buying isn't good. Like, and they're like, no, it's great. It's great. It's great. But you're eventually going to upgrade it. And I was just like uh, that, that kind of maker uh, mindset, you know, resin is so good to go. Right. That going don't over to be replacing parts randomly in the resin. Right, right. Right. And so like, it's really kind of weird getting my head around. No, you can get a better extruder. You can do this. You can do that. But um, mm -hmm. uh, everybody's just telling me you're going to replace it anyway. You should just keep it. I'm like, no. <laughs> 
it, it, when I realized it was actually broken, um, then I, you know, we sent it back. I am going to challenge myself though. I am going to get the same one back and try to, to learn the thing as opposed to running away from it. Like I did my last day in cubic after I messed it up, which was entirely my fault. If we, as we've discussed buy screen protectors. Okay. I said it once this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Uh, a lot of the FDM market is, is still over from, or, or a lot of the FDM fan base is still left over from the hobbyist day. Which is still is is largely a hobby where, but like you build these things, it's like customizing your favorite hot rod, but instead it prints benchies, and that's wonderful and fun. And getting to tune stuff is is a lot of fun. But I do like the print and play aspect, which is kind of why I went for the Neptune too, because very much it markets itself as you don't do that. Right. You just put this printer together and it works, and it works great. Right. And you don't have to replace parts on it if you don't want to. Well, and the marketing and on the model I'm getting in it. says that. But the community says oh. otherwise. So we'll see. Oh, I don't know. Oh, boy. Well, here's hoping that uh, by the next time we chat, you've got lots and lots of paint, not spill thingies scattered across your desk. Or, or, or you know, have you considered terrain? Have you considered just just blue tack, just blue tack underneath the bottle? So I got one of those little squish. triangle things, the little rubbery triangle things, and they're mm -hmm. great, but they only hold three paints. So, oh, and um, how many, a couple of my friends are using it once. What's that? How many do you have open at once? I'm Modi. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I usually have like a, a whole, you know, I don't know, 16. I sit there and protect my contrast paints. I treat it. See, like and gold. I need to do that because yeah. the inevitably I, what happens is like, I'm like, oh, reaching over and that I finally get the lid to like prop up right. And then I hit the <laughs> lid and the thing flips over. No! Yeah. And there it goes right in there. In fact, I have, I can see it. I don't, it's too far away to reach without like going off screen for a bit. But there's a plate that has the wreckage of like, mm -hmm. and, and for viscosity purposes, it actually has some bases that were submerged in the spill and are like now like fossilized <laughs> into this pool of blood. Because I think it was like a flesh, flesh terrors red or something. Like I just, um, with the with the contrast paints, I, the, what, half the reason I do it is like, I don't want it to evaporate fast so i close the lids almost oh, yeah. as soon as i can yeah because i just imagining it sucking pennies straight out of my <laughs> bank account the, every time it's open yeah you know things were tight uh earlier this year and i knocked over this desert sand one and i was just so like livid and like talking about the money and everything and, and my friend was like i'm just gonna buy you a new one because you're clearly upset and i'm like no no that's not the point but i was like that's like seven dollars on the table <laughs> Anyway. Uh, well, the good news is that the uh, the Army Painter Speed paints they look to be right around four dollars a bottle, and they are dropper bottles. So dropper you're bottles not with twist lids. <laughs> I, you knock it over, and oh no, I accidentally spilt 0. 0.0001 milliliters onto my table. Yeah, you know, like people are if they keep listening to this over time, we're gonna think I'm an Army Painter shell because I buy a lot of their stuff for just like big work projects and stuff and uh, i just bought yeah. the entire um the shit the uh the, the shades line. Yeah. i bought the whole line and actually and since i do a lot of um color priming i use there's a lot them in vallejo pretty much i tried i i my theme clearly clearly so far this year has been experimenting i tried something new tamaya uh, base coat, which would from a, mm -hmm. many rattle cans mm -hmm. that was that was different. It's a very different I, consistency. I am very familiar with that because I'm also into building Gundams, and that is the preferred primer for Gundams because it is super thin, yes, it is super gentle, and it is it is probably the best primer you can get for the hobby. But oh boy, these pins you're spending like 
fifteen dollars on like a third of a of a can that we would imagine. If you I'm just like gonna that. tell you that my local hobby shop that I have discovered since mm-hmm. they have re-embraced some things lately, it's a lot mm-hmm. cheaper than that. So nice. I may be playing with it. I was just surprised how thin it was. I had no idea. I did. Um, one of the things I didn't send you a picture of was some egg sacks with victims all like mm-hmm. tied up in them, and it yeah. just it's, it's like so thin. And so I That's actually had to wipe. Stuff. White, yeah, I, I think my games tend to be a little creepier. <laughs> anyway, oh. we'll, we'll talk about that. Oh, I didn't put that in there. Oh, anyway, sorry. We do have to congratulate Alex in chat, who has informed us that uh, I must have painted over 100 last year. My nice. real guard army is 104 minis and 29 ultramarines. This includes seven 3D-printed tanks and four walkers slash dreadnoughts. That is a, a lot of printing and painting there, Alex. Congratulations. What theme for the guard? Did you go classic Cadian, or or are, are you shovel enthusiast? And how many points is that, Jeebus? I have no idea. It's 100 guard minis, including four tanks. I'm assuming 400. Well, anyway, give him a second to, to bounce back at us. Yeah. Uh-huh. But... So- Oh, yeah, go. No, no. Uh, I, I've i been playing with lots of things, lots of experiment. We'll be talking about it more as, as things go on. Right. So you did mention something that's going to make your painting life easy for all these printed minis. Did I? Oh, yes. Yeah. The, port- yes. the portable thing? Yes. Ah, yes. So unfortunately, um, and they might take online ordering. Um, this mm-hmm. this uh, is a, a portable airbrush from uh, MRS Hobbies here in town. Show me, show me, show me. Um, well, it's all boxed up right now. Sorry, I did not. We were, I was not prepared for class. Um, maybe we should come back to it. I don't want this, this kind of dead air here. Fantastic. Well, while you worry about unboxing that thing, uh, preferably with a muted microphone. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will move on, uh, and give us the good news. Uh, so I, we mentioned last episode or episode before last that Elugu has announced their new printer, their new version of the Saturn, the Saturn S. And oh boy, was it very S. It was very nice incremental upgrade to the Saturn with filters and cameras and a slightly bigger build plate, but not much more resolution. And it was very much the premium version of last year's model, which is exactly the kind of upgrade we're expected to see from uh, Elegoo on these printers. But I said I'd be much more excited when an Elegoo Saturn 2 was announced. And then they did! They announced the Elegoo Saturn 2. This was first picked up uh, on Reddit by Schrodinger Spider, which is a killer username, by the way. Um, and then, of course, uh, we got some details based off of a translated Chinese page. Uh, which about the Saturn. So what we know is that it has 218 by 123, about 250 millimeters, which is a more the bigger, uh, which is a slightly bigger build volume than the uh, Saturn one. But more importantly, it's a taller build volume by quite a bit. Whereas the Saturn itself is like 218. So the 250 will allow for some much, much longer boys to be printed if you want to uh, to, to get some tall models out of that thing. Do your um, big uh, Lord of the Print dragon wings and stuff on it? Ooh, yeah. Or or I'm really wanting to print that Duncan Shadows uh, Cyclops giant. And I want to print it as big as I can in one single piece. Yikes. Yeah. Um, also, it is an 8K printer. That's the big exciting part. So this is basically answering the Mono X 6K challenge that was thrown down uh, that we've seen. So this is Elegoo's answers to the uh, to the 6K uh, Mono. So it's an 8K Saturn. So take that. That's two more Ks, Anycubic. Um, that might be more Ks. It also appears to have the same camera and filter plugs that the Saturn S is going to come with. 
So I imagine they share some tech and that kind of makes sense as why the Saturn S is coming out is like because we made it anyway. So we might as well have a version at that price point. It's coming in uh, the the translation of the Chinese price uh, is about 630 US dollars, which puts it right around the low end of the price that the 6K mono X's are coming in at. Right. Um, and so, but again, this is just a translation of the announced Chinese price, and even that subject's to change. So who knows? But hey, good news. New Saturn, lovely stuff. I don't know that I'll rush out and upgrade, but I will say that I would appreciate the higher resolution screen on something big like a Saturn more so than I would like an 8K like a Mars model. Right. Like that, that smaller print bed, the Mars 3 has a 6k screen a 4k screen on it and it's glorious and then you have the um like the the frozen mini that has the 6k screen and it's already like at that point you're passing up like i think injection molding is capable of 25 micron detail preservation and 3d printing on that uh frozen mini uh, 6k for the elegy set uh, mars size build plate that the that small size printer that most people have is at like 22 microns. So at that point you're getting more detail than traditional mold making can even capture. Nice. And I do not have eyes. Yeah. My elven eyes do not see those <laughs> tiny details at that point. I'm also going to throw out a little modesty that I could not paint to that quality probably ever. And I mean, it will help my painting look better, but that I, I will probably lose that in a thick, hastily applied, unthinned, frustrated layer of paint. And uh, so are you excited about the concept of a Saturn II coming out in the world? Well, sure, sure. And, you know, given my track record, I break things every couple of years. So I'll probably need one eventually. Um, I, you know, I, I finally broke something on, on my new my current one. So oh. nothing big, but uh, we'll talk about that in a second, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, I think eventually I'm going to want one. My my real question is, by the time I need the upgrade, will there not just be a better one? Yeah, that, that's the situation with the printers is I think it is an important leg up and I could totally see upgrading my Saturn to this to get that little bit more print quality out of my Saturn. Right. Um, and it is a big enough upgrade that I could justify that, especially at a 600 some dollar price tag. Like I could save that up and grab that. I wouldn't be so sad. And if I was jumping in and I was buying a printer for this the first time, I would probably absolutely recommend spending that extra 200 bucks to get the higher resolution Saturn. Again, because at these medium format resin printers, that extra resolution does matter. It, when you're talking about the smaller screens, you're talking about the difference between, I think Adam Savage has tested with saying like the Mars 3, which is a 4K printer, and the Saturn is a 4K printer. But the mm -hmm. Mars 3 has a... 35 micron resolution at that print range, whereas the uh, 6K screen on the uh, Frozen Mini 6K has a 22 micron. Right. Um, so, you know, better, but we're starting to see tinies. But the difference is when you have a build plate that's literally three times the size on yeah. the Saturn, which is like literally three Mars build plates stacked side to side to side. Uh, that That is where that extra resolution will very much help improve the quality of these and would probably be noticeable even to my sad, sad eyes. So I think the next time I buy a printer, getting a higher resolution is going to be high on my list on things to get at this medium format size, not so much the tiny format size. Right. I think 
for me, by the time I need the upgrade, mm-hmm. depending on where I'm at fiscally, mm-hmm. I bet you the price of this will come down quite a bit yeah. as a new better one comes out. So then it's going to be a very like, you know, hard choice to make. Do I save a little money and get this mm-hmm. really awesome printer that's right. coming out right now or, you know, whatever the new hotness is right then? Or do you so, go big? $1,400 and grab a Jupiter. Yeah, yeah. Someone was like saying, well, shouldn't you, you get a form labs? I'm like, no, <laughs> they just announced a 40% increase today, actually to their speeds. And I'm like, yeah, they also are three or $4,000. No, uh, when, when that happens, we'll, we'll be doing something else probably. <laughs> oh, I mean, I would love to have, I mean, I would definitely appreciate the, those printers, but like with those big super mega printers, I mean, like I've watched, you've watched the uncle Jesse channels where he's printing yes. on some of those and it is like, chug 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 three four entire bottles of resin it's like you better hope this print don't fail because that's 120 dollars right, worth right. of resin you just poured in that tank <laughs> well one of the things i was really hesitant about the fdm that i was looking at because mm-hmm. it's got this really massive build plate but i'm like you know because i was like well i could set, get those kraken tiles you like and like set up a whole bunch of them and print like this whole board i'm like well what if there's a fail though like how much i know and i know fdm is cheap mm-hmm. but both time the, the the build times were like 14 hours on the stuff I was looking at. Yep. I was like, it's like, so I'm going to lose a day. I'm going to blow a ton of FDM. And so I'm like, oh, so I don't know how much bigger I want to go until it's like flawless, right? Right. Um, I think you definitely need to do test prints on benchies before you ever start to print castles. Did we say benchies? Yeah, the benchy. You don't know what the benchy is? Benchy. Oh, uh, wow. Like there's owls, the test owls? So the benchy is a classic test print that is like the calibration test print for FDM printers. It's this tiny little boat that's designed to be printed completely supportless. Kind of like that Amerilabs thing, but it's it's it's, it's a bolt. It's, it's a tiny little boat. I need to pull up a benchy. You need to see a benchy. Uh, it's this little cute tugboat. Uh, oh, boat. I think you said yeah. bolt. Because I remember when we first got uh, demo printers when I used to be at big corporate bookstore um we did demos and made screw to prove that you could print mm. screwable things so that's so cute it is a cute little boat but more than being cute it is designed in such a way that the different parts of the boat will tell you different things about how you need to calibrate your printer like the the hull itself will show how your printer is handling overhangs and the uh, little flat window tells you how well it's going to do benchies and, and and so on and like the little holes that are circles tell you whether or not your your scaling is off on the X, Y, and Z axis. Because if it doesn't look like a circle punched out, it means you've got got to configure it so that you're printing in the right scale and nothing's like. But if it looks like an oval, you know something's wrong. You've got to make some adjustments. And the Benchy is absolutely lovely. It's a neat little. Uh, hmm. It's been part of the community and the culture of 3D printing for a while now. And you know you got you should print using Benchies. Well, you know, uh, here I am back to ground zero with uh, FDM stuff. So you'll you'll get all sorts of terrible noob stories from me. It'll be great. Uh, and, you know, yeah, so it's like the Amerilabs test town, but for FDM printers. So, yeah, go do a Go do a Vinci. Vinci's are fun. And plus, when you're done with the Amerilabs test town, you get this like ugly little city that you don't even bother curing and you throw it away with Vinci. You got a cool little tugboat. Yeah, yeah, it is worth noting that the Benchy is not designed to actually float. And even if you were to print it correctly in something that would float, like most of the plastics are hollow, Benchy kind of just tips over in the water. Yeah, it kind of looks like yeah. uh, I'm also now more impressed by Alex because he says that his guard was from 1995 and Ooh. that it's been sitting in his shame pile for over 25 years and that he knocked it out. <laughs> 
So, you know, hat off to you for finally doing it. I've got a, I've got a substantial stack of gray that it's only getting more dusty now that I've been printing new things. So like I, I hats off that you got back to it. That's really cool. Um, did you see Bastille asked if you printed dice? I have not yet printed dice, but I'm going, I'm actually doing the initial research and I don't want to just print somebody's dice. I want to make my own dice and print my own dice from scratch and designed. And then I want to make them into masters, into molds and start actually pouring some resin dice. The the pouring stuff, like, you know, I saw Dispel when they were first getting going and and launched that and that was incredible. And uh, there's a couple other dice witchery. There's a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of them. Uh, um, and Robinator is a yeah. great channel for 3D printing and casting dice. Cool. Yeah. So like um, that, that's really interesting to me too. But at the same point, I already have. So I know, but you can always has more. I know. <laughs> always more. But then there's the whole thing like that. My players are super sus and they, they like want them perfectly balanced. Like we have to put them oh, in water. This and... ain't Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> nice uh the thing is here oh yes 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 yes. show me show me your thing it's little and adorable jeez um uh yeah it's got the dual action you'd expect it's not Mm -hmm. that loud i'm gonna do it just once so people hear it that's the compressor running okay it's very important right now for our audio listeners that i tell you that he is holding up a portable airbrush oh we did just say thing yeah it is a portable airbrush uh it has two pots Mm-hmm. But like the assembly is just the compressor, which is USB right. powered and charged. Um, and the brush, there's two pieces there and a pot and a cap. And then there's one extra pot that's much bigger if you want to put a lot of paint in it. Right. That's already way more uh, paint than I would recommend putting in an airbrush at once unless you're going to do some T-shirts. Right. Right. And, <laughs> and to me, though, like one of the biggest things like I, I have a, a Say it's a good starter airbrush, right? In Mm -hmm. the garage, but it's in the garage and it has a big compressor and it's loud Mm -hmm. as hell. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's summer. It was great. And in winter, it's been miserable, you know, like even in fall, it was kind of miserable. Um, And this is something that'll help me kind of build skill and, and, you know, just chill out. It was very affordable. And Mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm really sorry for, for people that I don't know where to get it online. Okay. So I know where to get them online because I suspected what you had Ah. and I have bought them before. In fact, I have one and do indeed enjoy mine. So uh, uh, you can get, they they come in a few varieties, but here's one specifically uh, that I've bought before, which is just a a rebrand of the same concept. Very, very similar, very similar price point too. Yeah. It's around somewhere between 50 and $70. You can get them with different feature sets and stuff. So uh, just little portable airbrushes uh, with a really cheap airbrush attached to it. And uh, what's your opinion on how they went? I very, much enjoyed using them yeah i actually got to play with it in the shop a bit um mm-hmm. the kits are assembled by a big warhammer guy that, that mm-hmm. works there and um yeah it's it's really fluid it's it's i hate to say it pretty much as good as my you know 125 dollar <laughs> big one now my 125 dollar one came with paint it came with uh three different airbrushes you know with a bunch of pot things uh extender mm-hmm. um but like if you wanted if this for some reason i actually kind of like this as a handle Mm-hmm. Um, if you wanted uh, to get it off there, so you just had the, the pen feel, um, you could just go get a cord from Harbor Freight for like five bucks or less. So yeah, no big. So I have one, and I I do also have a much and you know a much nicer a lot of airbrush. Yeah, uh, 
and that little airbrush is was was surprisingly good for a cheap little airbrush and if you are getting started with miniature painter and you don't want to have like the full compressor and 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 hose set up and all that that is a great little option uh it it handles primer real good and easy so if just if you're just going to get something to prime your minis or just to put down simple base coats and and, and simple layers it's great like yeah it's not going to be as good as like a dedicated just the brush itself costs 70 dollars or more nice sure, sure. brush but for most of what we do in the hobby of you know painting little tiny dudes uh it's the right option it, it's a good option yeah for gradients stuff like that priming like you mm-hmm. said uh it, mm-hmm. i used it with inks um, mm-hmm. the one I had in the shop and worked really well. Um, distribution is good. I, I struggle. Like I would say I'm still running into limits of my skill and understanding way more than the tool. Like, um, and one of the things that's nice about something like this, where you can play with it a lot and, and it's very convenient. Like, uh, it, it's going to help me build that confidence. Right. Um, taking this to like a friends, we have paint parties sometimes, not as much right now for, for, for reasons, mm-hmm. but, um, we do have them and I've always been like, well, if I get used to using my airbrush and I go over to Matt's or Craig's house, <laughs> like, but, um, now that's just, it's nothing. This is, I'll probably take it on purpose, you know? Nice. And, you know, it does a great job. It's easy to charge up and yeah, I, I do recommend it. It's a great starter option too, to see if this is a, anything you even want to get involved in. But of course it's still an airbrush. So the usual warnings and safety procedures still apply here. Mm -hmm. Like if you're using acrylic paints, there's less stuff to worry about than if you're using lacquers or or alcohol-based paints. But you still want to wear a mask if you do not have a ventilation setup or a ventilation booth. And do keep in mind, it's still spraying paint. So you want to spray into something that isn't your friend's coffee table that at your paint night. Yeah, I mean, but you can make a little cheap hood out of a cardboard box pretty easy. Yeah. Like, so, like, you don't have to have, like, the dead, like, like, like I have here, like the dedicated paint booth that's ventilated outside with a working filtration system. And you, you can just have the big cardboard box or the, you can have the pizza box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, now, is that what you used on the mini pictures you were showing me? No, um, those are mostly rattle rattle can priming jobs again. Oh, um, you were but, showing uh, me uh, some really weird looking six armed cultist girls. Yeah, they're they're well, we talk about our projects later or, we, or if we're doing that now, but uh, they're they're part of a spider thing that I'm putting together. Oh, creepy. Sp- more creepy stuff from you, Kristen. I knew it. Mm, yeah, it's true. Uh, in, I really in wish chat- I'd send a picture of that exact thing. It's super easy. In chat, we've got uh, my friend Kevin, actually, uh, wondering if I ever got around to playing Grimdark Firefight. Uh, Grimdark Future Firefight from One Page Rules. Yeah, I have played it. It's a lot of fun. I, um, you know, it's a great way to just bash some models together and play some dice. Uh, a good alternative to a game like, say, Kill Team, uh, if you wanted to play something like that, or Necromunda. Um, it's a wonderful free game. I like it a lot. Go check it out over at One Page Rules. Uh, I have played it and enjoy. Well, do we have any other uh, questions from chat real quick? Nope. Oh, Good. Just Benchy commentary. Yeah. Everybody loves the Benchy. All right. Cool. So what is next? Uh-huh. Uh, we've got 
you had a problem and you got to solve it. Yes, yes. I, I, you know, I get anxious, especially right after having the big fail experience with the FDM mm -hmm. printer. I was like, mm -hmm. I got to get back on the horse. I'm going to go print something. And first off, again, to full mm -hmm. disclosure, um, bad thing I did. Bad thing. What'd you do? My my resin had been sent sitting for almost a week and a half, two weeks during the holidays. And mm -hmm. I was lazy and I didn't want to pour it out and reshake it and redo it. So I tried to mix it mm -hmm. with my build plate. Um, okay. And I think that's normally okay if you're using resin that's been there right. a few days. Yeah, I've churned the build plate. Been a while though. And so oh. what I did not realize is that enough of the resin had settled on the bottom of the tank and it made a really sticky, yucky layer, right? Ooh. Um, so I, I set up my spiders uh, and mm -hmm. I, I'm popping it down and uh, it adhered. I'd never had the build plate stick. Like the 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 engine grind, the motor grinded when it was trying ah! to pull off. And um, so first off, I knew like the print was probably garbage, right? But right. um, your concerns at this point. Yeah, but I, I, these, I, these are not supposed to grind. Right. So I, I canceled the print and just kind of futzed around, tried to mix up some stuff again. I thought, oh, you know, it's probably got a couple layers. It's going to be fine. Well, yeah, <laughs> it, it kind of oh. was fine. Um, I had some fails in the print. It was about twelve different minis on the on the plate, and I think about six or seven of them failed. Um, and some some unusual fails. But what I noticed when it full, finally all came up. Uh, was that I had definitely destroyed my FEPA. Like it had, it had bubbled from those initial pulls. Oh, ouch. And I think that caused some of the fails. I do think some of the other fails might have been for something else. Um, but uh, yeah, so my FEP was shot and I, I had been riding that, what now? Six or seven months, maybe. Oh Six. my gosh, that thing is way beyond its lifespan. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and everyone was telling me like you can't possibly still on your be on your first one. I'm like, yeah, it works great, everything's fine. And then that happened. I was just like, nope, it's done. So yeah, I finally uh, bit the bullet and did the change out the FEP. It was it was not as bad as expected. There are a mm. ton of screws though. Right. I had no idea. So and for screws. our listeners who do not know what an FE is, it is the thin plastic layer at the bottom of a build vat that allows the light to pass through to the resin and it is a non-stick material which is uh, why it's so important uh, that so that the resin will easily peel off of it. It's not supposed to grind and yank it to pieces while you get the, the, the things off of it. And these things will eventually um, wear out. Yeah. Um, and I think I might have lucked out because um, Elegoo eventually did do a, because I did get branded Elegoo FEP replacement. Nice. I think I'm going to pack out like five of them. But yeah. they, they eventually did a high tensile strength one. Ooh. And um, I think they tested them. And there may have been a generation that was somewhere in the middle. Because I will tell you, the new FEP that I have on there is like bulletproof. Like, it, <laughs> it, it, I may have just because it's new, but I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Like, I've never seen the, the, the resistance, everything. Like, it was a really crisp, flawless retraction every time and of mm. course i was paranoid because fdm broke screwed up my my fep on the, on that so like i was just like it's gonna break and so i think i i've never babysitted a print job like that but it was oh, just no. so so happy and doing its mm -hmm. thing yeah. um those first it, few prints on the new fep are flawless they're yeah well i did have perfect. a one failed again though in the same oh. way as the first one and i'm, I'm beginning to wonder um i love artisan guild mm -hmm. i will say that i love them. i do love artisan guild yes they're minis for a game that, okay, they're, they're for whatever you're using them for, but a lot of people use them for very specific games. Right. And those have very specific mini sizes. And right. they're big. They're yeah. too big. Um, and I think 
and mm-hmm. I don't know, but uh, because the flaw that caused it with the bad resin and all the other stuff was exactly the same as the flaw I saw when I fixed everything with brand new resin and brand new everything and then brand new FEP. Because um, only about three of the figs were, the minis were uh, Artisan Guild, but I had downsized them about 80%. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bit more than you're supposed to go. Right. Right. And even still, you know, they're, they're so big, they don't fit on large bases, even though they're supposed to be large, giant, spidery things. And so I was mm-hmm. like, those are huge, really, is what I probably should have just done and made them bigger. I but yeah. Regularly. So, so Artisan Guild purports that they sell 32 millimeter size models. They are mm-hmm. kind of on the tall side of even that measurement. Um, and the correct scaling is a, well, is around 85% to get to a 28 millimeter scale model, which is say, if you were to go buy a deep cut figure, right. a WizKids deep cut, they are actual true 28 millimeter size. Um, those models are, or if you have some old Warhammer lying around in, 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 or you buy something from North stars, like the Stargrave kits or the Frostgrave kits or the Oathmark kits, uh, those are all true 28 millimeter models. Right. And to get that exact size, you need to scale, uh, Artisan Guild down to 85%. Right. Right. And I think I maybe took it a little too far, Yeah, but even still, the they're so, so big, they don't fit on large bases even still. So I'm like, yeah. So you don't do your own supports when you rescale that much? Oh, I did. I did. Oh. I think that maybe the rescale maybe tweak something. I don't know because mm. they're the exact same layer failed on all the oh. spider limbs that they failed on. It's the exact same point in the model. It's failed on the same three limbs. It was like the exact same failure. And so like um, the only other possibility, which heaven forbid that something's mm-hmm. wrong with my, my LCD screen at that point. Um, yeah. So I am going to, try some different stuff in that same area and see if it still has fails. Mm-hmm. Cause if that happens, then something else is wrong. Right. Right. But, um, I think, I think it's just the, the, uh, drastic drop in size. is my guess, because I don't know if you remember my dwarves that did that too. Mm-hmm. And they ended up more like gnome size. Cause I over <laughs> how small they needed to be. And they were like, so they're, I they're print, adorable. I print my AG stuff that I, I rack beside the rest of my 28 millimeter models. I print them at 90 and yeah, mm-hmm. they're still a little big, but they're not so much big that it's a distraction at that point. Now, of course, giant spiders, you're trying to get them on a very specific base size. Right. Uh, that's, that's a different story. That's a completely different story. Well, and what I'll probably end up doing, I would recommend this for anybody who's doing this and, and having a little bit of problem with the same size squeezing things i'll probably put them on decorative bases eventually and the decorative bases usually have overhangs and rocks and things that can kind of support that and still kind of have the little footprint underneath all the flibberty gibbet you know like mm-hmm. they'll have their trees and things that the spider can be propped up on but it'll still have a 50 base right uh kevin in chat is talking about warhammer scale being 25 not 28 and uh so so i think this is important that i bring up what i'm talking about when i talk about miniature scale and i'm not talking about base size um because right. the base size that you use is mainly dependent on the game you're playing correct uh, and that changes but miniature size so warhammer models uh, used to be and and they still purport to kind of be at 28 millimeter scale and that isn't the size of the base they're standing on that is the distance from their foot to the eyeball of an average person is how that old scale is measured so a 32 millimeter scale model that coincidentally warhammer likes to put those on 32 millimeter round bases uh the the measurement would if i was standing straight up measured from my heel to my eyeball it would be 32 millimeters equals six feet 
All right, I could see that. Yeah. So that's when I when I talk start talking about twenty eight millimeter scale, thirty two millimeter scale, and which I have done on this podcast a lot. That's what I'm talking about. Whereas base size will change from game to game. Whereas your average D and D player is going to do a medium size mini is on a round base that is twenty five millimeters one right. side across, and a large mini like your spider is somewhere between forty and fifty millimeters across. Basically, it fits in a two inch by two inch grid. Right. right. And the official models from D&D alternate between whether or not they're on 40s or, or 45s or 50s. It changes. And a lot of the people who do Patreons for minis will do 28 millimeter bases instead of 25. But you will generally not notice that if it's a round base. I mean, if you're really finicky, but it doesn't doesn't cause a lot of problems unless you're playing on tight 3D um, dungeon terrain that has walls. Yeah. Uh, whereas I play a lot of war games and therefore the, the, um, the base size is super important. Like it is like think? strategically, it's strategically important. Well, you use trays though, right? For huge troop movement. That's for no, that's for, um, Kings of war. Okay. But if, when I'm playing age of fantasy, um, mm-hmm. or I'm playing, you know, age of Sigmar or Warhammer or, or some of the, the size of the base matters because it affects things like how far auras reach reach what it can fit in. So because you can base go from the far end of the base or something. Uh, no, it mostly depends on like where they can fit, how you measure range, uh, like, uh, around something, how many different models can squeeze into combat. So like if you're on right. like 20 millimeter squares, uh, like which is what old Warhammer meet normal, what we would call medium sized characters were on 20 millimeter squares. And now they're on 25 millimeter rounds. Well, more of those 20 millimeter squares can squeeze into a tighter space. Therefore more monsters can attack your, your forces than, right, than if right. I was basing them correctly. Goodness. I haven't. Yeah. Um, it's, it's less of a big deal than some people make it out to be, but like, there's a reason that base sizes are standardized in, in certain games like that. Whereas in D and D it just needs to fit in the square. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is why the big oval bases that are so popular on the war game stuff mm-hmm. are infuriating to me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't, that's not, that's not for that. That's yeah. 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 So I'm always um, replacing those those yeah. face, bases. Anyway, sorry. But you successfully changed your FEP. I did. I did. One of the most daunting things you can do as a resin printer, because it's the one thing that is like the FEP is fragile. You don't want to scratch it. You don't want to poke right. it. And if you get a hole in your FEP, you can ruin your printer is like yes. what people say. You don't have a screen protector. I, I Make did, sure you have yes. a screen protector. Yes. Thank you for saying it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was especially after that experience. It was really kind of a little like, ah, especially because uh, you you get it and you said them about spacers. I don't know if you were talking about the fact that you have to like get it back down over the thing and it's. Oh, so yeah, in the outline, I mentioned spacer uh, for changing your FEP. So when you change your FEP, you're supposed to take the vat and you unscrew the bottom of it. And the bottom has basically sandwiched in this FEP at just the right tension. And when you're putting it back together, you're supposed to put, uh, when you first put it on the first frame, when you metal, you know, like metal donut, plastic, the second metal donut that holds the plastic in place, you're supposed to put an object under the FEP to yes. make sure that it has enough uh, an object, slack. An object they say is a sponge in their tutorial mm-hmm. that does not come with your printer, that nope. is not in your replacement branded right. thing from them. Nope. That you're just supposed to be able to find this exact same sponge. Yep. So that people use other things um i used paper towels paper towels is a good choice uh folding it up uh i use a bottle cap just like a standard pepsi bottle cap i just put it dead center and that's what i use Hmm. it's probably not the best sometimes 
I've not used anything and honestly don't notice much of a difference, but I'm sure yeah. that it's uh, some of our listeners going to tell me the terrible things I'm doing to my printer and my FEP layer. I, I did have to say there was a little moment when I was screwing them on. I was going back and forth. We talked about it uh, for the listeners uh, to, to tighten it in like a star pattern going like around your border. Um, there are like 24 screws in the first layer. And then like, there's, I want to say what, oh, like it's 12 so or it's so, so many, many screws. screws. It's a bunch. But uh, when I was doing all that, you know, I was like, it's going to break. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's going to break. Um, but, you know, uh, Param, you eased me off the edge. I punched the holes. Just use my Allen wrench to punch holes. It was fine. You punch holes uh, where the screws are supposed to yes, go. Yes. Yes. Not I, in the FEP. <laughs> what I have often done, and this has happened to me three times now, so I just count on it happening every time I get the FEP together, is mm-hmm. I'm putting the FEP together, and I'm screwing everything in or i'm cutting the edge off or something involved where i've already done a ton of the work like just that initial getting it between the sandwich layers is the 24 screws which are these very tiny screws that use allen heads heads on them and you have to use that tiny little allen wrench to get all these screws on it is it is one of the more monotonous annoying parts of this hobby it's the part i enjoy the least I dread it when I have to change FEPs. It's not as bad as I'm making it sound. I just hate tedious things. This is a tedious right. thing. And then like almost done and I'm ready to put it on and then I'll, my Allen wrench will slip and I'll put a big old dent right in the middle of my FEP oh. that I just changed. Or um, I'm cutting away the excess after putting it in the first frame and my hobby knife will slice a hole right in the center <laughs> of my FEP. Like anymore, I don't consider that I have spare FEPs unless I have like three in the in the yeah. in the chamber ready to go. Because I know yeah. I'm going to screw up at least once putting it on there. Thankfully, well, FEPs are cheap. Yeah, yeah, and you can get them like if you don't do the brand ones, you can get them super cheap. Yeah. So I just usually get the 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 five pack for fifteen or twenty dollars from Elegoo. That's what I just grab. Yep. So uh, you mentioned something about um, winter coldness. I think you were oh, going to talk about yes. that. Oh, yes. It is the winter season. And as I've learned my first winter season with the printer, it is the printer of mis- it is the season of mysterious printer mm-hmm. failures. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if your settings are dialed in. If your FEP is super crisp, if your uh, resin has been shaken and stirred correctly, when the temperature drops in your printer room, you will have failures. And it yep. will be mysterious and frustrating. And the answer is that you have to have your resin printer at around 68 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 20 degrees uh, Celsius or more to use the recommended print settings to successfully print. Do not have it. You need to find some way to get that resin warmed up to that temperature and printed at that temperature if you want to have success. Now, yes, if it's slightly colder, you can have some more success by just increasing the exposure time. This has worked half and half when I've tried it that way. But in the end, you really do just need to warm it up. Get that printer nice and and, and toasty if you want to have successful prints. And there are a few ways to get about it. So have you thought about how you are going to warm your printers up in this chilly, chilly season? So we were talking about space heaters, but quite frankly, the idea of doing that in the garage, um, building a hood to get like a temperature hood and everything, it just got so daunting and so fire hazardy that I just took it back inside. Like, Oh, I, I gave up, uh, I, my garage at, at 50 something degrees mm-hmm. started getting warps mm-hmm. in some of my prints. And I was like, Nope, it's, it's done. We're done. So I just took it inside after that. Um, I honestly would have to build probably like an enclosure mm-hmm. to get what I want. So, I mean, but, that's the 
obvious first solution is hey am, am, am i can i have do i have a space that is already climate controlled that i can make sure like do i have a spare office that nobody is using right now do i have room in the craft area like does the utility closet have room for a printer like getting it into an already heated space is like the easiest option you right. do not want your printers in spaces that you spend all your day in or all your night because resins are getting safer filtration systems are getting better but let's not push our luck past what we we want we still do not know the long-term effects of all this resin let's do not expose ourselves to it unduly so yeah do not put your printer in your bedroom i will go ahead and say printer in the bedroom bad idea in the spare guest bedroom probably okay you know that is actually where mine is right now yeah that's probably a fine place to go. Uh, you know, just, you know, you just don't want to run it when you have people sleeping in there. That'd be a bad thing. Right, right, right. But, you know, if you're running the printer in the spare bedroom, sure. You want to have a place that you can ventilate. So have a window that you can open to get that stuff out of there after you're done with it. Um, but, you know, if you have that option, that's the best option. I am lucky enough that my area in the utility room is semi-temperature controlled. Like it's not temperature controlled directly, but the room is left open enough that the adjacent room usually keeps it nice and warm, except for in the worst of the winter nights. Right. And so for those periods, the space I use a space heater next space to the printer. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any sort of like enclosure around it or it just heats up? I enough? do not. And that's okay. uh and that is option number two. Uh but I guess I'm gonna use option number one first because we mentioned it. Uh but uh, here is here is my space that I'm using right now. It's it's you know it ain't much but it's mine. It's, this is just the, the utility room. I have my printer set up. I have it on a little metal cake tray, a uh, cookie dish, actually, so that, you know, if there's any spills that goes in the cookie dish, I keep all my tools right there next to the printer. I have my little silicone mat in front of the printer uh, that I do all my work on. Um, I have a little shelf where I keep all my cleaning supplies and stuff. My little washing cure station sitting over there in the corner. Uh, I've got me uh, my little space heater in the far corner over there. Yep. And uh, I turn that on when it's going, when I'm doing a print and I know that it's going to be uh, extra, extra cold. I actually didn't ever see this. And I also was in a cookie pan. Maybe the grok is in effect. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, yeah. So any other, any other tips people would you recommend for people if they're having temperature issues? All right. So this is actually pretty inefficient. Like if trying to he uh, use a space heater to heat up your garage, probably not the smartest move, like right next to the printer, if you can get away with it, just so that that little corner is warm and only run it while you're doing the prints right. and like previ previously warm things up in advance. That's good. But other solutions, um, there are little bitty portable printers that like tiny little printers, uh, not printers, he tiny little heaters, heaters yeah. that you can slip inside of the printer, um, you know, inside the little uh, housing that the printer has, the little hood. And there's like, I know Uncle Jesse did a video where he he printed one out and, and modded it. And that was really nice. Or it might have been Maker's Muse. I'm not sure which of the two channels that was. Um, but you can buy just tiny little plug-up heaters that would easily fit inside that uh, in, uh, enclosure and just keep that little tiny space heated up. Um, it doesn't take much heat to he heat less than two cubic feet. Right, right. Yeah. And that's an option. Uh, and then the other option that's real popular is enclosures. Yep. And they come in two varieties. You can buy an enclosure, which is uh, that, that one that's really popular is like just like an insulated hood that you can just drop over the printer and slide a, again, slide this tiny heater in there. Um, and they come in like 
non-ventilated and ventilated varieties. They have some that have like little ventilation hoses that you can, you know, use to hook into a ventilation system if you want to. Like if you are having a printer in the house, having a ventilated area that it can be in to, so that you never need to worry about the fumes is a great way to do it. Right. And uh, you can buy little pop-up hoods that you can then fold up and just stash away when you don't need them anymore. Yeah, I saw something somebody cobbled together uh, out of like a metal frame and some plastic from just like Harbor yeah. Freight that was pretty right. cool looking. Yeah. And then you can DIY one with like doors and like hooks into the same fi filter system that you use for your airbrush in your hobby room. That's a popular option that people have gone with. Yeah. Or you know, if you get your inner carpenter out and start building a cabinet for it, repurpose an old armoire. Um, yep. And they do sell some nice bigger ones. And that that's the ultimate solution. It's like, I have my little closet and my little printy armoire enclosure that has five Saturns in it. And it's all filtrated out into the outside. And it's all warm and toasty and kept at a perfect 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Optimal right. printing quality. And I would love to do that one day. I ain't got time for that right now. Right now, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Jeez. Uh, so for We're... me, space heater next to the printer is my solution. Um, but yeah, if it's that's the most thing. If, if it's too cold, you're going to start getting fails. You can try to compensate at first by just increasing your exposure times, but that's not going to work always. And as it gets colder, it's definitely not going to work. I'm even just going to point out uh, your build plate. Like, um, oftentimes I'll take my stuff out out to clean it and like if i'm in a hurry and i leave my build plate out in the garage or something it can get cold enough to cause an indoor print to fail too so like mm. you have to make sure it comes back up to temp once you bring it in like yeah. I, I wasn't thinking and just was like bah, you know I threw it back in and it was ice cold and bad right bad stuff and it was bases so you know that bases are bad for me already <laughs> you have no luck with bases i don't yeah yeah <laughs> One of the few things now that I'm I, I lean pre-support unless I really have to jigger it around to fit more stuff on my plate or something. So, but sometimes not. I don't know. We are running long. I I, I, ha I have so much more to talk about. Yikes. Indeed, but we should probably wrap this up before this becomes an episode of no direction. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you all for tuning in for another episode of Print Your Games. Where we wait talk a second, about wait a second. I have one shout out I definitely want to do. Is that okay, it? okay. Put on the brakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is because it is useful information and it is time sensitive because it's a it's a tribe thing. Um, just wanted to point out that Edge Minis Miniatures, which usually does like kind of like dark Eldar mm -hmm. stuff, um, uh, did a pack with uh, sixteen different sets of modular wings in it. And so if you're kit bashing flight stuff, need wings for projects, it is gold. There's so many different styles of wings, like mechanical wings, bug wings, demon wings, angel wings, so many um, that uh, I just wanted to point it out. It's the sort of thing that like it's, it'd be an easy skip and just even signing up for the tribe and dropping it is worth it, in my opinion, to just get all the wings for, for kit bashing. Look at that. That's crazy. That is a so. lot of wings that's a lot of wings so i was going yeah. to shout out some wings today too oh who yeah. but not nearly as awesome as these wings these are a lot of different very awesome ones that edge mixtures have they i mean that wing looks like it's sewn together from human skin <laughs> well you know me <laughs> Um, but uh, North Star Miniatures did a set of like demonic slash bat wings. Uh, now, North Star Miniatures is a traditional miniature company. They do the Frostgrave minis, the Stargrave minis, the Oathmark minis, as well as a bunch of historicals. Um, well, they did a they did a set a Frostgrave set of 
demon miniatures, but there's no cool. wings on the sprues. So you can, so they made some wings that you could buy super cheap from them. It's like five for five dollars or something, like super cheap to buy from them direct. But they made the STL file for those wings completely free, so that Ooh. anybody can just print their own little. Uh, so if you just Google up North Star miniature demon wings, it's a really nice little set of bat-like yeah, demon wings that are perfectly awesome. scaled for a medium, a medium-sized creature. But of course. 3d printing make it any size you want it's completely free they're not as awesome as these wings though yeah thank you for letting me throw that in the last second no problem if you do want to join uh if you want more print your games you can find more at printyourgames.com and you can find us also on facebook youtube twitter all the places uh as well as our new discord server which is discord.printyourgames.com and we very much appreciate it if you want to email us and ask us some questions you you can do so over at podcast at printyourgames.com and we will see you all next week. Thank you. Thanks Very for much. watching and listening. Remember, keep printing those minis. All the minis.